Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. Have you ever wondered why we worship? Why we praise, worship, clap our hands in enthusiasm, sing God's word with joy? Well, today, Pastor CJ gives an amazing message called Why Worship? If you feel like life has been a battlefield lately, then worship might be the weapon you need for victory. Go get your victory today. We hope you enjoy this message. Take out your sermon notes today. I I want to get done in time because we're going to do something at the end of service here today. And, you know, I always get the question of my sermon today is, why worship? I always get the, the question asked to me, Pastor, why that when we come into service, the first thing we do is we worship? Why do we always worship first? So how come it's kind of predictable that we come in and we worship and Jeremiah says stand and welcome everybody and greet and pray and then we go into worship? Well, what happens is worship sets the tone for God to come. And so, and so I always do this. I always, out, I'm out in the foyer, not as so much in the second service because I can't ever get from the front pew here to out there after the first service because I get caught. Like today I got caught with some people. And, but a lot of times I can tell, I can tell, seriously, I can tell what the service is going to be like. The moment I come into church, I look in people's eyes. I see where people are at. I can see people's demeanors. I can see what they're looking like. I can see if they're heavy. I can see if they're happy. I can see if they're sad or I can see if they're mad. I can always tell where people are before they come in. And by watching people and observing people, I know how the service is going to be. I can tell when a person is happy what they're going to do in worship. They're going to be excited and exuberant to worship because they're happy, happy, happy. And so when they're happy, they're going to worship. Amen? And so what happens is a lot of times I can see people coming into church, and sometimes they come in with heaviness. They come in with an attitude. They come in with struggles or problems or life. So what is worship all about? Worship sets the tone to God to visit us. The Bible said where two or three are gathered, there is what? In the midst of us. The Bible then takes it further and says where two or three agree, it shall be done. So there's power in agreement. There's power in gathering. There's power or there's strength in numbers, right? So when people come to worship, the reason why we come and we worship first and foremost is this. Worship is a form of celebration. And celebrating, what are we celebrating? We are celebrating a risen Savior. And because Jesus is alive, isn't that something to celebrate about, right? So how many have just recently had birthdays? We, we celebrated yesterday two birthdays at our family reunion, my daughter-in-law Donna and my nephew, his birthday. And we celebrate it. And what do you do when you have a birthday? You make the cake, you put the candles on, you sing a song, and it's a joyful time to honor them in another year passing. Or another year of getting older. I don't know if that's a celebration or not. But, you know, the point of it is is to celebrate. When you come to church, we come in and we enter the, his courts with praise and thanksgiving, right? To celebrate a resurrected Savior. But if you have your notes today, you can look at it today. We celebrate praise and worship, clapping our hands in enthusiasm, in enthusiasm. How many know exciting? Exciting is about enthusiasm. If you ever notice, I love reading the book of Psalms. If you ever notice how David starts out Psalms chapter 1, he starts out Psalms chapter 1 saying that, listen, I'm planted by streams of living water where my leaves and will not wither or faint. So in other words, he's anchored by the Lord. He starts out the book of Psalms saying that I'm anchored by the Lord, that I 
I am secure, I'm steadfast, I'm not wavered, that Michael, I'm by streams of living water, that when my nourishment is down, I can get from the river, I can drink. In other words, he's taken care of, he's sustained. But then if you ever notice, after Psalms chapter 1, all the way up to Psalms 146, in between those psalms, David talks about hardships. He talks about struggles. He talks about pain. He talks about things that he went through, uh, battles, circumstances, situations. In other words, he's talking about the everyday life that we face. Isn't that right? That we face. But here's the great thing that David ends those books by. In Psalms 146, 147, 148, 149, David ends it in the form of celebrating. I will praise the Lord with all my heart. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And the reason why David ended that long book, that book that he first starts out, I'm planted by streams of living water where my leaves will not wither. He ends it by saying that I went through the valleys, I went through the storms, I went through the struggles of life, but I came through because God's faithfulness and therefore I have something to celebrate about. You see, listen, what Fort Worship does, it takes you off your problems and gets you refocused back on him. And what happens is when you come into these doors, you need to have an attitude of uh, gratitude of saying, God, I'm going to praise you regardless of where I'm going through in life. And that's why he says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, 18, 19, he said, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then he says in verse 19 of 1 Thessalonians 5, he says, then don't quench the spirit. He said, what he's saying, he's saying, listen, Molly, he said, the way we quench the spirit is by being negative, murmuring, complaining. But he says, listen, I give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so, listen, when you come with an attitude of complaining or murmuring or whatever, what you're doing, you're quenching already before before you even get started, the Spirit of God. You're quenching it. So you wonder why you feel like dry toast? Because you came in like dry toast. You wonder why you feel like a double dose of dry toast? Because you left going that way. And so praise and worship prepares you to receive what God has for your life. So you look at this. Listen, he says, praise and clapping your hands in enthusiasm, singing God's word and joy. All these are weapons of warfare. Now, I hear people always say to me, Pastor, if you're anything like me, when I was in sixth grade, I tried to play the, pia uh, the violin. No kidding. I tried to play the violin. And my sixth grade teacher told me that, CJ, you can't play the violin. You have too many thumbs. And I looked at my hand. I said, no, I only got one. In other words, she said, I don't got no talent. So you know what I did? I gave up on the ability to play the violin. And here my family is all musically inclined. My dad can play every instrument there is. And yet here I, that's why I took up basketball. I can do something, but I can't play that. But you know what? I hear people all the time say, hey, pastor, I can't play an instrument. Oh, yes, you can. Pastor, I don't have an instrument. Oh, yes, you do. I want you to do me a favor. Put your hands like this. Come on. Now, on the count of three, all together. One, two, three. Oh, check it out. Some got a double beat. Man, you guys were ready to get the beat going out, man. But you know what you just did? You just played an instrument. That's the instrument unto God. You know what? If you look at the worshipers, every time the worshipers went out, if you look in Joshua, what did the, but Joshua do? He sent the worshipers out before he sent the warriors out. 
Why? If you look at Elijah, what did Elijah do? He sent the worshipers out banging pots and pans and sent them out. And what did it do? Every time they made the noise, it sent the enemy into confusion. And when Elijah sent them out to battle, they even turned against themselves and fought against themselves. And they didn't even walk up on the hill and look down in the valley. And they were already destroyed because of the noise that destroyed or brought confusion to the camp. When you come with enthusiasm and clap your hands, all ye people shout unto God, with a voice of triumph. You know what it does? It brings confusion to the enemy because he can't interfere with our praise. Isn't that cool? And so what happens is that's why we start the day off or our, our Caleb, we start each service off with praise and worship is because some of you got to shake off those heavy bands and lift up your holy hands. Some of you got to get rid of those wet clothes, man, because some of you come here stinking, thinking. Some of you got grave clothes on. Even though you put your deodorant on, you still stink. It's because you got to get in the atmosphere, I come to get mine. And that's, you know what, when I was growing up in the hood, I kid you not, when I was growing up in the hood, I'm going to tell you right now, man, when you got something you hold on to, you mess with me, you mess with fire, you mess with fire, you get burnt. You get, man, I'm like a pit bull on a bone. You ain't taking this from me. That's in the hood, right? Hey, growing up in the hood, hey. But you know what, that's how it should be, your attitude with God, that God is coming to get mine. I'm not going to worry about what this person looks like, acts like, smells like, looks like, whatever. I'm going to get mine. Because, listen, because when you leave here, when you leave here, guess what you're walking into? You're walking into the den of thieves again. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, again, you're back again. And some of you come in with war wounds on Sunday. And you leave with the war wounds because you then prepare yourself to receive. And praise and worship prepares you to receive from God. And that's what it's all about. Somebody say, well, that sounds selfish. No, that's what God wants you to do. He inhabits the praises of his people, and when he inhabits, he's moved upon you, and then he's moved upon to bless you right where you're at. You see, listen, praise takes the battle from us and releases it to God. Man, God, I can't handle this. Oh, but I know who does. That God, I can transfer this battle. The battle is not mine. It's to yours. And every time when Joshua, what was that? The battle is not mine. It's yours, God. The battle is not mine. It's yours, God. Jehoshaphat, I don't know what to do, God, but my eyes are upon you. And what did God do? He took the battle from him, and he won the battle through him. Joshua, God, I do, Jeremiah, uh, uh, Jehoshaphat, I don't know what to do. Dave, I don't know what to do. But you know what he did? He released it, Ethan, unto God. And see, that's what praise and worship does. Uh, here's one of my addresses in Acts chapter 16. I love this address. And you know what? How many of you know your address to your house? Come on. Guess what? I don't. I really don't. I don't know the address to the parsonage, but I do know my post box. So it's so funny. I kid you not. This is no kidding. I had to go renew my post box thing because every six months you got to renew your post box. And so I went to my post box to renew my post box there, number 34. There you go. And I, so I went and renewed it, right? So the lady says, well, what's your physical address? You know what I had to do? I had to call my wife. I felt like one of those lifelines. Call your wife. Hey, all right. The, the, the cash cab, amen? Hey, I got a cash cab. I got a lifeline. Call your wife. Hey, my wife tell you. Hey, that, you know what I did? <laughs> Since my wife had to give the thing, there's no kidding. So I put my phone on the counter, and I called my wife and said, honey, what's my address? I put it on speakerphone. <laughs> and so the lady's writing as my wife's saying, there you go, right there. That's it. I didn't know my address. But you know what? There's an address that I do know. And this address that I do know 
is this right here, Acts chapter 16. I can relate to this address. It relates to me. And you know what? So can you. Because how many of you know we all go through battles? We all go through struggles. We all go through ups and downs. People always say, Pastor, how do you memorize scriptures? How do you memorize scriptures and get it in your heart? Before I memorize the verse, I have to memorize the address. And once I start to memorize the address, then the verse starts coming. Because then I got it in my mind, the address that gets me back to that place. And then I can know this verse. So I get my address in my heart. I love it when I ask my grandbabies, hey, how old are you? I'm eight and a half. They always got that half. Teenagers, I'm 15 and a half and 10 days. Married people, I got 21 days and two hours before I get married. They know it, right? You see, if you want to get the, get the you got to get the address. And once you get the address, Helen, then you can get the, ad, uh, the rest. You can get the zip code. You can get the state, and that's in the address. So you got to get it in your heart. But here's my address because it relates so much to me as well as you. And here's what it is. It's this. When he received these orders, in other words, Pontius Pilate and all that came against Paul and Silas, they received the orders. How many of you know that when you proclaim the name of Jesus, that light exposes darkness? You wonder why sometimes people don't like you. You wonder why maybe your aunt, your uncle, your mom, your dad, your relatives don't like you. Because you are light. The Spirit of God lives in you. And if the Spirit of God lives in you, what does light do? It exposes darkness. And people don't like their dirty laundry being aired. So if you get around unbelievers and people of the world and you're full of the Spirit and you're walking in truth and you're walking in light... What do you do? You walk up on him, you shine your light. And what does he do? Get that light out of my eyes. You know why? Because it's exposing him. And nobody likes to be exposed. And what was happening, Paul and Silas were exposing the hypocrites back in this day. And because they were exposing and spreading the good news, they were throwing Chris in the prison. They were unjustly thrown in the prison. So watch this. He put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. You know what cracks me up about this? If you study about what a cell looked like, it's not like what we have prisons today. I've been in a lot of prisons. I've been to Walpon Penitentiary. I've been in a lot of youth prisons. I've been all over, all, all the prisons in Colorado. I used to travel and go into the prisons and speak. And you know what? I used to go into the cells where these men and women lived at and where they stayed at. And their cells, I kid you not, are like palaces compared to these prison cells. Back then, in those days, what happened was it wasn't a prison cell that you could stand up. It wasn't seven-foot ceilings or eight-foot ceilings like we have in our house where you can stand up totally erected. But what happened, these were crowded, and they had a crunch like this. So if you remember any kind of sports or any athletes here, if you remember the isometrics that we had to do for basketball, you had to put your back up against the wall, and you had to kneel like this for a certain period of time. And Murray, what did it do? It burned your legs. And you would do it for a minute, two minutes, or whatever, and you think, wow, Jamie, it's kill you. Can you imagine? This is what their cell was like. Their cell was small, and so this is what cracks me up. They were in the inner cell, and not only were they in this cell that they couldn't move, and they were like this posture all this time, but they had their legs and their hands fastened. Can you, can you imagine that? So think about the pain and the agony that they were in. So when you think about that, 
And yet, now watch the pain and the agony. And a lot of times what happens when we're in pain and we're in agony, what do we usually do? Instead of running to God, we run to other substance. We run to other things to think we can replace that with the pain that we have. We can replace it with pain pills or whatever else to mask that pain. They didn't have that opportunity. They only had one choice. And they left us an example or a model in which we should follow after. They didn't run to mask the pain and other things. They ran to the source. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, Jesus is the ultimate master key of our lives. And what they did, watch this, in the midst of their pain, they didn't run to mask the pain, they ran to him. He says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing to God. You see what they did? They began to praise him. And I can imagine when Paul and Silas began to sing. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. Watch this. How great thou art. How great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art. How great thou art. Can you imagine? They started to sing. They didn't complain, they didn't murmur, but they went to the source. When you, just now, just singing that song, I looked at people's faces, and they began to lift their hands, some of you. What did that begin to do? It began to bring relief. Why did David play the harp? It brought relief to who? Saul. He played the harp because it brought relief. Music, it brings relief to your spirit. It edifies God. It brings glory to his name. And Paul and Silas were praising and singing to God. And the other prisoners were listening. How many of you know that miracles don't just sometimes are reserved for you, but miracles splash on to other people? I remember the Clark sisters. I used to, when I first got saved, the Clark sisters, they're uh, African-American ladies, and they sing this song. I'm looking for the miracle. You don't know that neither. Miracle will work out. Work out miracle for me. And I used to sing that song all the time. I'm looking for the miracle. Hey, miracle. We got too many white folks up in here. Amen. I'm so glad. Amen. We got to get some more diversity up in here. Amen. But you know what? The cool thing was I used to sing that. I'm looking for a miracle because you know why? I was in the midst of seeking for miracles. And you know what? Every time when I would sing that, I would sense his presence, and it gave me a mindset that miracles can happen. And why do you think Paul and Silas began to pray? Because they had care in the mindset that their God that they serve is able and willing to perform and do that which he said he would do. And what does he say he can do? I am the God that healeth thee. I am the God of miracles. That Luke one thirty seven says nothing's impossible with me. But he says that those are the things that are impossible with man are possible with God. Luke 18.27. He said, I am the God of the miracle. 
And why did Paul and Silas begin to sing? This is why. Suddenly there's a miracle. You see, this is what happens with people. We like suddenlies. We don't like graduals. When God does miracles in our lives, we don't like the graduals where it takes a little time for it to happen. Man, it takes a month, maybe it takes a year for God to finally perform the miracle. But we like the McDonald microwave approach with God. I want to suddenly now. God, do the miracle now. But God said, in his timing. Have you ever think about this? God said a day with the Lord is like a thousand years. Wow. God, I don't want to wait a thousand years before my miracle. And God just says to you, be still and know I'm God. What's up with that? Right? Suddenly. It wasn't a gradual. It was suddenly. We all love suddenlies. There was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prisons were shaken. Now watch this. At once, all the prison's doors flew open. Everyone's changed. Everyone. See, isn't what happens? Miracle splashes on everyone. God is not a respecter of person. What he done for me, he can do for you. You got that? Look at this. And everyone's chains flew up. The jailer woke up. And when he saw the prison doors open, he drew a sword and was about to kill himself. Why? Because he thought they were escaped and they were under his care. How could that happen? I'm going to get crucified. I'm going to get destroyed. But look at this. Because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. But look at this. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, sir, what must I do to be saved? Isn't that awesome? But you see, it all started with praise. It all started with praise. Praise is the key in the morning and the bolt at night. Praise is what unlocks the favor of God in your life. You see, he inhabits the praises of your people. Praise is not just uh, when it feels good on Sundays when you come to church. Praise is a lifestyle. It's an everyday occurrence that, God, I will praise you in the morning. I will praise you in the noontime. I will praise you at night. If you look at the disciples, they went to the temple case of Acts chapter 3. They went to praise God four times a day. If you look and you study it at Acts Acts beautiful, the gate beautiful in Acts chapter 3. They went four times a day to praise God. And sometimes we can't even take five minutes a day to go and praise God. But because they had that connection with God, God performed miracles in people's lives. You see, praise. I love this. Whenever you're in a place that the battle is bigger than you, just begin to praise. And see how big God is. Ever get in that situation? God, I... I, I don't know what to do, but then sings my soul. I'm not doing the Carrie Underwood or Vince Gill rendition because I'm no like that, but have you ever heard that rendition of Carrie Underwood and Vince Gill? Holy cow, it set me on fire. You just set me on fire. How great thou art. And when I begin to, man, focus on God, he begins to instill himself into me in my weakness He's made strong. When I empty, he fills me up. When I die, he lives in me. That's why he said, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I, but Christ that lives within me. God, when I die, that's when you fill me up. John the Baptist says, I have to die. I have to decrease. You see, the battle is not yours. See, listen, so why do we worship? Why do we worship? Number one is this. Praise and worship gets our focus on him. You see, if you take a magnifying glass and you let the sun hit it just right, and you shine it on paper, guess what it will do? It will start that paper on fire. Why? Because there's a singular focus. 
But what happens is, listen, the enemy wants to distract you. He got your mind over here. He's got your mind over there. He's got your mind over And you're in a million different directions, and you can't be focused on God. So why do we start the service off right away with worship? To get you focused on God and off your problems. Because when you focus on God, he takes care of your problems. But if you're focused on your problems, your problems will take care of you. That's why we always say the cliche, I'm an overcomer and I'm not overcame. You are overcomer through Christ. And you put your eyes on him. And so why do we come and we worship right away, Michael? Is to get our focus off our problems and get our focus on the problem solver. That God, I, I got the cares of my life, but I'm going to get mine. I'm that pit bull, the dog on the bone. I'm going to get mine, right? So what happens here? Focus, get your, you get your focus. Uh, worship focuses on God and his character, his character, his goodness, his faithfulness, his grace, his love, and many other wonderful things. Isn't that true? What is his character? His character is this. He never lies to you. His character is his word. His word says yes and amen. His character is who he is. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't punish you one day and hate you the other day. He doesn't love you one day and then dislike you the next day. He's the same. He's a steady Eddie. He's the same God, ma'am. And he loves you every day. His character. How many of you ever had people, man, they, they, they love you one day. They're Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Amen. Man, one day they love you. Next day they're like, wow, who is that guy? They got hormonal problems. Amen. Right? Isn't that true? You understand what I'm saying? God doesn't do that. But we make out God to be that way, folks. God wants to just put his arm around you and say, hey, come on, man. Come on. Come on, Ethan. Come on. I'm with you. It's all right. Why do you think two or three are gathered there in the midst where two or three agree it shall be done? You know what Jesus did? He took the blind man outside the gate, the, leper, the man with leper. He took the man of leprosy outside the gate because people wouldn't associate with people with leprosy. You know what he did? He took the man with the hand of, by the hand with leprosy and he took him outside the gate. And you know why he did? Because all these hypocrites were saying, what's he doing with that leper? But Jesus said, listen, I don't care what people think. I don't care what people say. I'm going I'm to take them. I'm going to take him with me. And you know what he did? He took him outside the gate, Jerry, and he made him whole. You see what he could have done, Chris? He could have walked away. He could have rejected him like anyone else. But that's the character of God. It doesn't matter what you look like, act like, smell like, anything like that. God accepts you. You see? Look at But here's what happens. With, what happens. Murmuring, complaining, fault finding, or being negative all create an atmosphere in which the enemy can work. You see the opposite? You come into these doors. You know, how many of you ever have to do this? You go to the airport, and, uh, of course, we've all been in the airport. But, uh, man, what do you have to do when you go to the airport? You have to check your what in. And what is luggage? Luggage is all your stuff, right? Your toothbrush, your deodorant, I hope you have that. Your mouthwash, I hope you have that. And, but you understand what I'm saying? You have to check it in. You know what you need to do when you come into the sanctuary? You need to check your baggage in out the door. And you got to come in with an attitude of gratitude. Your, your attitude determines your altitude of how high you go. But if you come in and, man, you got this attitude already, man, they did something to the platform again. 
I'm going to suspense you all the time because that's me. I, I get bored. If you come to the first service, you, don't he, you didn't hear this in the first service, did you? It's a totally different message. I preach the same structure. It's because I get bored with preaching the same thing because God pours in me. I can never preach the same thing. I've never preached the same message. Only three times I've ever preached, ever preached the same message. Three times, that's it, in, in 38 years because God pours in me. And you know what? Listen, you come, man. Look at her, man. Look at him. Man, what kind of clothes they got on. Man, look. If you've got that kind of attitude before you get into the sanctuary, guess what? You're going to leave with that kind of attitude. You know, I, I used to, bake, I won't tell you what church, because uh, they listen to it on, on, online. <laughs> I ain't going to say the church. But I used to, I used to, Jake, I kid you not, I used to, at the end of service, I used to stand out front. I used to stand out front after every service. In one church, in particular, we had three services. So I used to stand out there at the end of first service, second service. By the time I got to the third service, I was beat up. I was like, holy cow, I thought these people got shaved, got changed and got saved. Man, I think they got to go back and get a double dose of the Holy Ghost because they, got, they didn't get saved. They got full of complaining. And I tell you, I, 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 stop, I had to literally stop because the time I got going to two services and going into the third service, man, all I was hearing was the complaints. I thought, man, you just got out of service. Didn't you hear what God was saying? They went through one ear and out the other. It don't just happen with kids and even with adults. You see, murmur. But look at this. People who have a negative attitude and don't praise and worship usually leave with a greater negativity. You see, you have to position yourself to receive. You have to position, when I come to church, I'm going to come and I'm going to shake it off and I'm going to focus on God. I'm not going to worry about him, her, and the other things. Worship creates an atmosphere which God can work. Faith, now get this, faith is stirred up and transformation takes place. Transformation means being changed. How many of you ever seen those, those toys, Transformers? Have we ever gone to the movies, Transformers? Amen. Man, my, mine is Bumblebee. Amen. My kids, so because I like Bumblebee so much, no kidding. Because I like Bumblebee so much, I had to go out and buy a Bumblebee snowmobile. So if you see my wife's snowmobile, it's a Bumblebee. Amen. Because I like that's the character I like in Trans Transform. Oh, Transformers more than meets the eye. It, right? But what does it do? It transforms into something different. And what God says, be transformed by the renewing of the mind, it's the same way with the butterfly. It goes from a cocoon to a beautiful butterfly. That, what it does, it transforms your ugliness when you came in into a beautiful butterfly so that you can fly out and be free again. And that's what worship does. It transforms your ugliness and makes you beautiful. And what God does on the inside, see, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart, and God gets at the core of the issues. It's in your heart. And when you come to worship God and get your eyes on him, he says, listen, I'm the author and the perfecter of your faith. He tweaks those things in your life that need to be tweaked, and he transforms your mind, your stinking thinking. And he says, listen, I'm going to change you so that when you leave here on Sunday, you're going to be able to go onto the battlefield on Monday with a new confidence and assurance that God is with you. Isn't that cool? Isn't that great? Now, number two is this. Right, wait a minute. As we begin worship, new levels of God's presence, power, and goodness begin to flow in our lives. Isn't that awesome? Worship puts us into position to receive the fullness in which God has. Oh, it puts me in the position 
that God can meet you right where you're at. Wow. Now watch this. Number two, praise and worship releases God's word. You see, when you praise, what are you doing? You're singing God's word. I love what Jeremiah was singing today, leaves the 99. That's scriptural, that Jesus left the 99 to go after the one. In other words, Jesus was so concerned about you that he left the 99. Isn't that something? To me, that's life-giving. That God, you forsake and you left all the 99 and you came after me. Isn't that comforting to know that someone loves you that much, Jamie? That someone loves you that much. You know, when I was growing up and doing the things I used to do, I always thought my friends loved me. I did. And I, I have to be honest, I was a people pleaser. Man, I used to, man, do everything I can to have all, all the friends. I was popular in school. I was, I was an athlete. I was the burnout. I had all kinds. Of, but you know what? When I had my first major issue, guess what? Where were my friends? I thought my friends loved me, man. I got my first, I was older than others because I got put back. And so when my kids, my friends, I had my first, I was, I had my car before a lot of my friends did. So once I got my car, man, I had so many friends, Alan. Man, it was, I was like, whoa, I'm bad. Come on. I felt cool. But as soon as everybody else started getting their, their car, where did my friends go? Right? But you know what? There is a friend that sticks closer to you than a brother. And that's Jesus. He never bails out on you when you're going through tough times. So when you sing his word, what he does, he brings strength to you. And what Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, watch this. Here's what he, I love this word. I love this, another address. For the word of God is alive and active. How many of you ever had this happen to you before? I've read through the Bible numerous times. I have probably five Bibles that, that my, now two of my kids have two of my Bibles. But I've gone through Bibles. I really have. And I wore them out cover to cover. And if you see in the Bibles, I've duct taped them. I did everything. I, mine looked like it went through a battlefield. You probably saw, remember at the church and you saw a couple of them before. I got this one. And, uh, and I really, Michael, I've read them from cover to cover. But how many of you have ever had this happen? You can read them from cover to cover and go back to that particular verse that you read a hundred times. And the 101 time, it's like, wow, I never saw that before. I, I never. It's so funny, a couple weeks ago I was at Jeremiah's and Beck's house, and we were watching The Greatest Showman. I got one. I got a movie for that one. You wait and see. That's so good. Amen. And anyways, before we watched the movie, Jeremiah, you should see, man, he, he played for Hillsong Worship. And when he played for Hillsong Worship, man, you should have seen him back in the day. Man, Jeremiah, how many know our furniture rearranges? Jeremiah was jumping. Man, he had longer hair. Man, he looked like he still is the man. He's the man. I won't forget that. But you know what? Jeremiah got married. Mm Mm-hmm. Jeremiah got a kid. Mm Mm-hmm. And now he's got to be dignified. Mm Mm-hmm. But you know what? How many know that seasons change? But God's word is established. It never changes. Now, you may see it and read it and it comes out different. But you know what, Lisa? It's always the same. That's why it's alive. And he goes on, it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You see, listen, praise and worship activates God's word in our singing and praise to him. How many know it activates it? God's word is put into action the minute you read it, 
Everybody get it? The minute you read it, the minute you what? Sing it, the minute you what? Speak it, right? It's put into action, God's word. It's put into action. A lot of people thought, what are we doing with this, Pastor? It's because, oh, are you going to drink this? Watch. This is God. God says, if any man is thirsty, let him come and drink of me, and streams of living water will flow. So Jesus says to come. You have to come. Draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. As you come to him, then the streams of living water will replenish, refresh you. They'll restore you, to strengthen you. But you are this. You're, you're like this white tablet. You're hard. You're crusty. You got battle wounds on you, scars on you, hurts on you, rejection on you, all these different things that you face during the course of the day. That when you come to the church, man, you're just beat up. You got battle wounds that are, man, just beyond, beyond. Have you ever seen that movie War Horse? Man, that horse got all the scars. But you know, in the end, it came out, and it was victorious, and it went back to its original owner. That kind of reminds me of what God is to us. This is you. You're dry. You're thirsty. You're, you're, you're dead maybe inside. But the moment you get singing and praising God, it begins to activate you. And what happens is when you get activated with God, this is what happens. You begin to start thinking again. And if you're like anything like me, I hate soda, which I don't drink a lot. I drink iced tea. If it don't have the fizz, what do you do? And what happens is we have a lot of Christians that don't have the fizz anymore because they're not activated with God. And what happens is praise and worship activates God's word in you, and God's word does what? It cuts away those things in your life that need to be cut away in you. But God can't activate himself in you. If you don't draw near to him, then he can't draw near to you. He took the first step, so now he's waiting for you. And how do you do that? Through praise and worship, singing his word. And as you do, it activates you. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. You know? And it, it activates in you, and it transforms you, and it changes you in your life. But you have to activate yourself in God, the living water, so that he can move in you. Amen? You see, listen, I love this. Praise and worship, it activates God's word. It releases his word. When we worship, it reminds us of how powerful and awesome our God is. Isn't that great? How great is our God. What does it do? It activates. You know what it also does? When you sing praise and worship, it reminds God of his word. And when you remind God of his word, he doesn't break his word. So it's a double-edged sword, Dale. It's a blessing to us. Thirdly, and go ahead, Jeremiah. Praise and worship gets God's attention. Man, I love that. Hey, I'll tell you, uh, when, when I was uh, dating my wife, I wanted to impress her. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I was scared to death, scared to death of Christian girls. I, I'm not kidding. I came out of the world, went right to North Central, blah, blah, blah. So here I started dating my wife. And I, I didn't know how to date a Christian girl. But I wanted to impress her. Amen. Hey, why is it, can I ask you something? Why is it that men, women, we do everything we can to win that one over? I mean to tell you, we do everything we can to win them over. But as soon as we win them over, we slide over. Whoop. Where'd you go? Whoop. There it is. Whoop. But we do everything to win them over, right? Right? When I was dating my wife, I didn't know what to do, so... I wanted to win her over, so I, this two story, two story. I would get her postcards. I told you this in my wedding, marriage council, remember this? I used to buy her postcards. 
And I'd put on there, honey, this is where we're going to be someday. Oh. And she'd love me. I'd send her some flowers to work. Oh, she'd love me. Guess what? I won her over. 38 years. Thank you, Jesus. But you know, the key is this. The key is this. When you praise God, you get his attention. He begins to bend his ear towards you. Now get this. This is the cool thing. When you tell God, Murray, how much you love him, guess what God does? I hear you. I, I, man, Murray, he's, he, he's praising me. He, 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 and now here's the cool thing. When you get God's ear, guess that's when it's, he sets you up and ask anything in thy name, it shall be done. Why? You can ask because you got daddy's ear. And you get daddy's ear by praising him. You get daddy's attention by, Jamie, you got a little daughter who's beautiful. But every time she tells you she loves you, I know I saw it at the ball game. That man, you just light up like a Christmas tree. Man, he's 24-7. He's in Christmas mold every time. Because his daughter, daddy, I love you. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. I mean, he's shining. It's not just on the top of the tree. It's all over. You got that. He's even got one on his chest. Look at that. Boom, right there. You, look at that. Stand up here, man. Stop. What, you got to see this. Turn around. Turn around. He's got the superhero star. Look at You aren't I didn't even mean to pick you out. There you are. So check it out. God put that there. Whoop. But you see what I'm saying, though? Guys, listen. Have you ever noticed, like I said, in Psalms, where David starts out in Psalms 1, back to where we started from, I took you around the block. Now we're back and we're closing. I'm planted by streams of living water where my leaves do not wither and fade. But now look at how David ends. In Psalms 150, I love how David ends that chapter, that book. Look at this. Look at what David said, even the peaks in the valley. Psalms 23, though I walk through the valley. So you know David walked in the valley. Though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So you know David, they walked through the valley, right? But even though he was in the valley, look how he closes Psalms. <laughs> Praise the Lord, Karen. Can you imagine that? Michael, you know the struggles that David went through. You know the battles. But how does he end the greatest book that we read, the biggest chapter of Psalms 119? He says, I will praise God in the sanctuary. That's now. That's in the now, right now. I will praise him in the sanctuary. Can you see this? Because David knew whose source was. Praise him in the mighty heavens. God, there's no limit to what you can do. Praise him for his acts of power. God, you're stronger than my dad. When we were kids, we grew up, we thought our dads were invincible. How many can relate to what I'm saying? My daddy can beat you up. My daddy's the greatest daddy. My daddy's only five foot one, but he can beat you up. We had that impression. But that is your daddy. Look at this. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpets. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. It doesn't sound like it's too quiet to me, does it? Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise him with the strings and the pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Now watch this. Praise him with the resounding cymbals. Now this is you. This is your part. Do you have breath today? 
Do you have life today? Did you put on your clothes today? Did you start your car today? He said, if that's you, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. That's you. I'm not going to let no rock cry out in my place. I'm not going to let someone else get my blessing. I'm going to get in there and get mine. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Murray, notice what he said. Praise the Lord. What did Saul and Silas do? They praised the Lord. I want you to stand. We're going to end this service by praising God today. I'm, I'm done early, amen. For you, somebody say, no, you're not done early. You're just on time, amen. <laughs> but listen, we're going to praise the Lord today. And if you need prayer during this time, just step out and altar workers will come. But we're going to end this service by how great is thy love. How great is this love. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. Well, it's finally here, the Adventure Church app. We invite you to download it by searching either Apple App Store or Google Play or simply text AC Siren app, all one word, to 77977 to get a direct link. You can also check out our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com.